0: Chapter 14 of Grandmother Elsie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Grandmother Elsie by Martha Finley. Chapter 14. Nor less was she in heart affected, but that she masked it with modesty, for fear she should of lightness be detected spencer's fairy queen violet had lingered at the laurels with her aunt rose for some hours after her mother returned to ion with the children and in the meanwhile there had been a long talk between mrs traveller and captain raymond in which he had pleaded his cause with all the eloquence and ardent passion could inspire elsie's answer was if you have won my daughter's heart her hand shall not be refused you, but "'She is yet too young for the grave responsibilities of married life. "'Nor can I reconcile myself to the thought of parting with her so soon. "'Therefore, I should greatly prefer to have the matter dropped, "'at least for the present.' "'The captain repeated what he had said to Mr. Dinsmore "'in regard to his willingness to leave Violet with her mother "'if only he might have her for his wife. "'That would be very pleasant,' said elsie her eyes shining and so far you have the decided advantage of a suitor who would carry her away from us but captain you are a father and the woman whom you marry should be not only a wife to you but also a mother to your children but for that care and responsibility my little v is i fear far too young indeed my mother heart can ill brook the thought of her being so burdened in the very morning of her life nor should i be willing to burden her my dear mrs traveller he said with feeling she should never bear the lightest burden that i could save her from but my dear madame would my children be any better off if i should remain single i think not and i also think that should i marry another while my heart is your daughter's i should be doing very wrong but i cannot if i fail to win her i shall remain as i am to the end of my days I trust not, she said. You may get over this and meet with someone else with whom you can be very happy. He shook his head very decidedly. I feel that is impossible. But how was it in your case, Mrs. Traveller? Mrs. Dinsmore is, I understand, but a few years older than yourself. That is quite true, sir, and I know Papa never let her take any responsibility in regard to me. But taught, trained and cared for me in all respects himself, he was father and mother both to me, she said with a lovely smile. But you, my dear sir, are so situated that you could not follow his example. You can neither stay at home with your children nor take them to sea with you. True, but they can stay where they are quite as well if I am married as if I remain without a wife. I love them very dearly, Mrs. Traveller, and earnestly desire to do my whole duty to them. But I do not think it a part of that, either, to do without the dear little wife I covet, or to burden her with cares unsuited to her tender years. Are you not willing to let me settle this question of duty for myself? I certainly have not the shadow of a right or inclination to attempt to settle any question of duty for you, sir, she answered with sweet gentleness. But I must, I think, try to help my dear child to consider such questions for herself. And with her, after all, must the decision of this matter remain. Both mother and lover waited with anxiety for that decision. And while waiting, the captain wrote his letter, and mother busied herself with her accustomed cares and duties as daughter, mother, mistress, and hostess, Each heart lifting up silent petitions that the result might be for God's glory and the best interests of all concerned. Elsie was not surprised that Violet did not join the family that evening on her return from the laurels. She doubtless wants a talk with her mother first, was a silent comment on learning that we had gone directly to that part of the house in which the private apartments of the family were situated and presently as all separated for the night she sought her own dressing-room expecting to find violet waiting for her there but the room was unoccupied one swift glance revealed the fact and also showed her the box violet had left on her toilet-table and beside it some little token of love and remembrance from each of the other members of the family a label on each told who was the giver and breathed of tender affection to her for whom it was prepared she looked them over with glistening eyes a heart full of gratitude for the loves still left her though sore with the thought recalled by every anniversary of him who was gone and a sweet and beautiful smile played about her lips violet gifts was the last to be taken up and examined so lifelike was the pictured face suddenly exposed to elsie's view that it startled her almost as if he had come in and stood by her side The label told her it was from Violet, but even without that she would have recognised it as her work, and that it was so made it all the more precious to the widowed mother. She was gazing intently upon it, her lips quivering, the big tears dropping fast down her cheeks, as Violet, with Captain Raymond's letter in her hand, opened the door, came softly in. And glided noiselessly to her side, dearest mamma. She murmured, stealing an arm about her mother's waist. Does it please you? Nothing could be more like him, my darling. Thank you a thousand times. I painted almost entirely from memory, mamma, and it was emphatically a labor of love-love to you and to him. Oh. How sadly sweet it was to see the dear face growing day by day under my hand. Has your grandpa seen it? Yes, mamma. He used to come in sometimes and watch me at my work. He thinks as you do of the likeness. Ah, I hear his step. And she hastened to open the door for him. I thought I should find you here, he said, kissing her on both cheeks, then drawing her near the light and gazing with keen, loving scrutiny into the blushing face. Elsie daughter, turning to her, ah, as he perceived her emotion and took note of the miniature in her hand. Is it not a speaking likeness? Yes, Papa, she said in a trembling voice, going to him to lay her head on his breast while he clasped her in his arms. But it has roused such an intense longing in my heart. Oh, for the touch of a vanished hand and the sound of a voice that is still... Dearest child, the separation is only for time and a long eternity of reunion will follow. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But for a moment, she repeated, yes, it will seem like that when it is past, though now the road looks so long and lonely. Ah, dearest Remember that nearer, dearer friend whose promises I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee? Presently, she lifted her head, wiped away her tears, and as her father released her from his arms, turned to her daughter with a tenderly interested and inquiring look. What is it, my darling? she asked, glancing at the letter in the young girl's hand. Violet gave it to her, saying with downcast eyes and blushing cheeks, i found it on my dressing table Mamma. it is from him captain raymond and i have written a note in reply shall i go away we and leave you and your mamma to your confidences mr dinsmore asked playfully putting an arm about each and looking with smiling eyes from one to the other no grandpa please stay you know i have no secrets from you violet answered half hiding her face on his shoulder "'And our grandpa and I to read both epistles, yours and his?' asked her mother. "'If you please, mamma, but mine is not to be given unless you both approve.' The captain's was a straightforward, manly letter, renewing his offer with a hearty avowal of strong and deathless love and replying to her objections as he had already in talking with her mother and grandfather.' Violet's answer did not contain any denial of a return of his deflection. She simply thanked him for the honour done her, but said she did not feel old enough or wise enough for the great responsibilities of married life. Rather non-committal, isn't it, little cricket? was her grandfather's playful comment. It strikes me that you neither accept nor reject him. Why, Grandpa, she said confusedly, I thought it was a rejection. Mr. Dinsmore and his daughter had seated themselves near the table, on which a lamp was burning, and Violet knelt on a hassock at her mother's feet, half-hiding her blushing face on her lap. "'Ah, my little girl,' Elsie said with playful tenderness, putting one hand under V's chin and lifting the fair face to look into it with keen, loving scrutiny. "'Were I the captain, I should not despair. "'The citadel of my V's heart is half won.' the cheeks were dyed with hotter blushes at that but no denial came from the ruby lips mamma i do not want to marry yet for years she said and i think it will not be easy for any one to win me away from you but he says he will not take you away remarked her grandpa are you on his side grandpa asked violet Only if your heart is, my dear child, and in that case I am on his side too, said her mother, because I desire my little girl's happiness even more than her dear companionship, as exclusively as my own. Except what belongs to her grandpa and guardian, said Mr. Dinsmore, taking V's arm and gently drawing her to a seat upon his knee. V put her arms about his neck, the dearest, kindest grandpa and guardian that ever anybody had. She said, giving him a kiss of ardent affection. Well, if you, sir, and mamma are both on the captain's side, I suppose it won't do for me to reject him. But you say my note isn't a rejection. So will you please give it to him? And if he isn't satisfied to take it for no and let me alone on the subject, he may wait a year or two and see if, if he still feels towards me as he does now and perhaps... Only, perhaps, if he hasn't changed his mind and asks again. You may say yes, Mr. Dinsmore asked as she broke off in confusion. Oh, Grandpa, say what you think best. Only don't make it too easy for him, she said with an arch smile, but blushing deeply. I think, said Mr. Dinsmore, I shall only give him your note without any additions of my own and leave him to carry on further negotiations or not, as he sees fit. Captain Raymond did not take V's answer as a decided rejection, and within 24 hours had won from her an acknowledgement that she was not indifferent to him, and persuaded her to promise him her hand at some far-off future day. All seemed well contented with the arrangement, and the week that followed was a very delightful one to the lovers. In the meantime, his Christmas gifts to his children had been received by them with great joy especially did max and lulu rejoice over the opportunity now afforded them to open their hearts to their father and tell them of all their grievances he had written to both mr fox and mrs crimp directing his gifts to be delivered into the children's own hands without any examination and never to be taken from them also that they may be allowed to spend their christmas together So, Max was permitted to go to Mrs. Crimps to spend the day with his sisters, and well pleased to do so when he learned that that lady would not be at home, having accepted an invitation to take a Christmas dinner elsewhere. Anne, who was left at home to look after the children, gave them an excellent dinner, and Max, having found some money in his desk, came provided with candies. They compared presents and spent some time over the books their father had sent. Then Max and Lulu decided that it would be best to write now to their father, thanking him for his gifts and telling him all they had so long wanted him to know. Lulu compressed what she had to say into a few lines. Her love, thanks, longing to see Papa, Gracie's feebleness, and her own belief that it was all because she did not get enough to eat an acknowledgement that she was saucy to Aunt Belua and sometimes helped herself to food, but excusing it on the plea that otherwise she too would be half-starved and that poor Max was often beaten and abused by Mr. Fox for just nothing at all. Max's letter was much longer as he went more into detail and was not finished for several days. When it was, he enclosed it and Lulu's which he had given into his charge in one of the envelopes that he had found in his desk, ready stamped and directed, and mailed it to his father. These letters reached Ion on New Year's morning. The captain read them with deep concern, first to himself, then to Mrs. Traveller and Violet, as they happened to be alone together in the parlour. The hearts... Of both ladies were deeply touched, and their eyes filled with tears as they listened to the story of the wrongs of the poor motherless children. Oh, Captain, you will not leave them there, where they are so ill-used, we said almost imploringly. It breaks my heart to think of their sufferings. Don't let it distress you, my dear girl, he replied soothingly. We should perhaps make some allowance for unintentional exaggeration there are always two sides to a story and we have but one here but told in a very straightforward way Elsie said with warmth both letters seem to me to bear the stamp of truth depend upon it captain there is good ground for their complaints i fear so he said and am quite as anxious my dear mrs traveller as you could wish to set my dear children free from such tyranny but what can i do In obedience to orders, I must return to my vessel tomorrow and sail at once for a distant foreign port. I cannot go to sea about my darlings, and I know of no better place to put them. I shall, however, write to Mrs. Crimp, directing her to have immediately the best medical advice for Gracie and to follow it, feeding her as the doctor directs. Also, always to give Lulu as much as she wants of good, plain, wholesome food. I shall also write to Fox, giving very particular directions in regard to the management of my son. End of chapter 14